0: Surely, wow, they got that turned on though. All right, let's have a a prayer request. Anybody got a prayer request this morning? Yes, sir. just nothing no big deal just a bone towards the of place okay <laughs> good how's your wife uh, she's doing all, right. she's doing all, right. all the surgeries everything all right okay anybody else well wow. we're low on prayer requests even this morning all right well I guess that's it this we have one praise um, we you just Pray, I had one. Them, uh, we had five of our daughters in town, and they went all back home. I think they're all back to where they're supposed to be right now. They kind of some left Friday, some left Saturday. Uh, pray for Ashley and Luke, though. And of course, Luke's one that had the heart attack not long ago. Uh, they they you know twelve thirteen hour trip home. They got home late last night and got a lot of responsibilities today. And when they got home, they're garage which is kind of a garage/playroom, slash playroom, storeroom, everything room was flooded. And so actually said everything in there was ruined. They're not sure what happened or why it flooded. And then she said they got up to the upstairs to the boys' bedroom and uh said it w- the floor was covered with ants. Said N- have no idea. They've never had any trouble with them and uh I said but that's a boys' room. And uh, <laughs> who knows what's hidden there, under what, where, you know, uh, attracting things in there. And so uh, pray for them because I know they got a mess and they're weary already. Great to have a vacation together with the whole crew, but everybody ends up really tired at the end of all of it, you know, so. Yes, sir. But the- yes. Wow. Okay. Another knee here. Okay tuesday okay all right well let's pray real quick we'll get started father i pray that you bless lord jesus thank you for your love your goodness your mercy to us lord thank you for your patience with us father we know that you can do what man cannot do so we we ask you right now that lord if you will just touch both in uh these situations just two sets of knees actually and Brother Kenzie, Brother Vickery, Lord, I pray that you'd heal them both, and, and Lord, if there was some way they didn't have to have knee replacement, that'd be wonderful. Lord, if it has to be that you give the doctors wisdom to just know what is best, and then Father, I pray that you would be with with Ashley and Luke this morning, as I know they're very, very weary, very tired from all the travel, all the vacation, the time together, but, they, but also the the, all that they uh, has confronted them now. And, Lord, I pray you keep Luke's body healthy and safe and protect him, uh, please, as he's been through a lot here recently. And, Lord, I pray you bless our class together and all the, the classes that are going on, especially our new classes. Lord, I pray that you'd be with them. And, and then, Lord, I, I'd ask you, please, just give wisdom this morning. Holy Spirit, guide my mind, my thoughts, as we take a look once again into the Scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, we want to go back to the book of Genesis. We're in the book of Genesis, and what we're doing is uh, taking a look at the people of Genesis. And so um, I want to, last week we talked about Jacob and Esau, kind of a comparison and similarities uh, between those two. Now we're going to take a look at Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28, we're going to look at Jacob himself, and we're going to look at some, some things about Jacob As we just enter into it, uh, Jacob is is really um, this this first evidence of where you see people that have an experience, so to speak, with God, but they don't have a relationship with God. Uh, You know, you talk to people. We go out visiting, and uh, I'm not sure it's the final count, but but uh, one of the men, you know, talked to different people yesterday as we. Had different people go different places out visiting yesterday and uh said that you know we had a really amazing day had 11 people trust christ yesterday and so that was an incredible day a wonderful day uh miss johnny may uh didn't come go <laughs> Uh, she called me in the morning. She said, it sure looks bad out there this morning. And it did. It, yesterday morning, it looked stormy, bad all around us. And she said, what should I do? And I said, you better, you know, if you've got some business you can make in your area, you just go ahead and do that because we don't know what we're going to be walking into here. And so I was picking at her. But she's as faithful as anybody that, that comes. But we had a lot of people that, that trusted Christ. But when you're talking to people about Christ and when you're out there uh, visiting with people, uh, you know, one of the things that'll happen is you'll say, "Do you know for sure? You know, 100% sure that if you died, you go to heaven." You will know, you say something similar to that effect, and uh, and they'll, they may look at you and say, "Oh, yeah, I know. You know, because I was in a car wreck and and, and the Lord saved me uh, from the car wreck." And it's an experience they had, but it's not really. They have not had a relationship with Christ, and I, and that's nothing con- condemning. It's just that that's what they're. That's all that they know. They, they had this experience. And so that's what we're really going to take a look at, um, where Jacob talks a good talk about his experience at the very beginning. If you look at Genesis chapter 28, verse 10, look at 28, verse 10. It says this, and Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his, his pillows and laid down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, and the land whereupon thou liest, to, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. now shall spread abroad uh, to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in, this, in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places where thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of, And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, "'Surely the Lord is in, his pla- is in this place,' and I knew it not." And he was afraid and said, "'How dreadful is this place? "'This is none other but the house of God, "'and this is the gate of heaven.' "'And Jacob rose up early in the morning "'and took the stone that he had put for his pillows, and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it, and he called the name of the place Bethel, uh, but the name of that city was called Luz at the first. Now, this all sounds uh, really good until you get to verse verse 20, which we'll read in just a second, which reveals Jacob's true heart in this whole situation. He's had this experience. He's had this uh Dream vision. There's things that go on. So he's had an experience. He had an experience, and in this experience, he expected God now to be. Forgive me the way I put this, but but I've seen this and talked to so many people that are this way. It's kind of God is now is going to become his own personal genie. He found the bottle. He found the lamp. And and it, when he found this lamp uh, that night, he thought, okay, now I've got this this thing that I can I can go to. I can rub. I can. I can have this genie respond to me. He found the bottle and rubbed it one night, and, and, and if this was a real genie, then he was to give Jacob what he wanted the way he wanted it. And that's what a lot of Christianity, so to speak, does today. We kind of look at it and we say, okay, uh, and I warn people all the time. They've trusted Christ, and we've had quite a few here in the recent months trust Christ and come into our church, but, but I, I try to warn them, listen, getting saved doesn't mean everything's going to go good now. It doesn't mean everything's going to go wonderful. The difference is, is if you truly trust in Christ as your Savior, now you have someone that can get you through everything you go. Now you have all things work together, the promise, all things that work together for good to them that love God, to them that who are called according to his purpose. And so the storms, the wind, the rain, the storms come into everybody. It's coming to everyone uh, just like Matthew chapter 7 teaches us, the wind, the rain, the storms come to everybody. And, and whether we're saved or unsaved, whether we're following God, whether we built our house upon the rock or we built our house upon the sand, the difference is, is how are we going to survive? How are we going to exist through it uh, in reality? So, uh, and that's what, what takes place here. He was... I believe, from the way it reads and what we're about to read in verse twenty, I don't think he's really trusting in a holy and righteous God, the God of gods, that he understands that that this is the God of gods. He had an experience, and in this experience, he expected God now to be that personal genie, that personal one that's just going to do everything wonderfully. Now, if you look at verse twenty, now look at verse twenty, Matthew. I mean, Genesis chapter twenty-eight, verse twenty says and jacob vowed a vow saying if god will be with me and will keep me in this way that i go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that i come again to my father's house in peace then shall the lord be my god that look this Okay, Jeannie, if you do everything I tell you to do and you please me the way I tell you, if you do everything, provide for me, you give me food, you give me raiment, you give me safety, you take care of me, everything goes good, okay, you're going to be my God. And, and just a warning, I believe this is the next movement in, in uh, America today. I believe the next big surge that's coming into America is atheism. Uh, the, and the reason is, is because the movement that we're in right now is a kind of a movement that God is good. He accepts anything and everything that you do. He's okay with anything and everything that you do. He's okay with everything that goes on in your life. He just, you know, he's just glad that you show up uh, Sunday morning uh, if you do. And, and even if you don't, it's still okay. And, and the fact is, God's okay with everything, And he's going to be good to you. He's going to bless you. He's happy. It's all smiles. And I just want to tell you, God is good all the time. He really is. But it's God's good that he's doing. When it says that all things work together for good, to them, it's God's good. And sometimes that good doesn't look good to us. Sometimes that good doesn't seem good to us. And so yeah, it, I feel like this is you know, where Jacob is kind of in that situation where he's saying, man, everything's going to go good. Okay, God, and if everything goes good, okay, you'll be my God. And that's kind of, I'm afraid where we are right now, if everything goes good, then you're going to be my God. If every, now, what happens when everything doesn't go good? What if we really did have a financial crash tonight, tomorrow? What if it really got tough well i think the example you can kind of go to england and see the example of it the the example is is that there was a lot of you know there was uh, a lot of preaching a lot of evangelism you know if you go back to to moody and spurgeon and you come through there there's a man incredible evangelism uh, of england england sending out missionaries to the world england's doing all this And, and and then there's a after that there's be honest with you, with, with the pushing of evangelism, with reaching people for Christ, with being, uh, following God, with being obedient to God, there comes blessing. There is a lot of blessing that, that comes. Now, but sadly, right behind blessing comes a turning away from God almost all the time. There's a turning away from the Lord. And so when we turn away, then comes a judgment and what happened to england there's began a turning away the 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 comfort you know god's good you know so now we're all about hey this is wonderful it's all comfortable it's all good and then war came and bombings came and everything came to really hardship came to england and you think wow i would really love to you know that that should just brought them right back to god but the truth is since that time there's been an incredible decline in christianity it's, they say, the last statistics I, I read, whether they're exactly right or not, secular statistics, but they said that 90% of the people of England don't, uh, aren't affiliated with any kind of church. They just don't go. It's because they, basically, whether they admit it or not, atheism has, is the, has just permeated the society. And it's permeated society because God's supposed to be good to me Okay, he's not good to me. That's what I'm taught. Everything's supposed to be okay. God's supposed to love me, smile at me. Everything's good to me. And now it's not. So all that can be is either he's not a good God or he's no God at all. And so there's a turning away from God, either agnosticism or, or atheism. And so uh, that's where we have Jacob, I believe. Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God be with me. Now let me just, folks, the, the key is, are we with God? Jacob says, if God be with me, you know, God, if you're going to do what I want, the way I want, and, and all that I want, then you'll be my God. And God says, hey, you better be with me 100%. So uh, now, this is, as I said, I think this is sort of the present movement that we have right now in our, in our society um, You know, I've said this so many times. We have more mega churches today than any time in the history of America. I think, and the but we have less. I mean, our our nation is in greater decline than it's ever been. And so, sadly, what happens next is is what is happening all over American Christianity. These kinds, these kind of Christians, who may not be Christian at all, but rather experiential Christians. And by that, I mean they've had some experience. Somewhere along the way and and none of us can judge because no man can know another man's heart We don't know I'll be honest with you Matt knows me probably nobody at Memphis State you know from November in 1975 when I trusted Christ in my dorm room from that 76 77 78 Probably nobody was walking around going wow. He's got to be a Christian that probably wasn't happening uh, Anywhere, you know because I didn't look like it. I probably didn't talk like it. I just you know I but i got saved through a gideon's bible in my dorm room i had nobody to teach me i didn't even know there, what church to go to i didn't know really to go to church I, I knew nothing but something was happening it was more than an experience that night and i'm going to talk a little bit about that probably in the in the next hour but you know when i've, I've given this an example but but when your language starts to change but you don't even know there's a Holy Spirit that's convicting you about your language. But it's still changing because something inside just says that's not supposed to come out. Then there's, there's, it's more than just a, a night where I experienced something. It was a night where something actually transformed. Something changed in me. Now, the, what happens is, and this, again, this happens so hard, the pattern is here. Uh, these kind of Christians who may not be Christian at all, but experiential Christians, then they go, uh, they, you know, they, they come to church. And maybe they're young Christians. Maybe they, and, uh, they're unmarried and they desire to marry and they often do marry. And, and then this example, uh, Jacob, who's had an experience with God and he's, he's kind of put, said, God, you do what I want you to do and everything's cool with us. Uh, now Jacob goes and finds a girl. He goes now and finds a girl, and, and now they're going to be, be married. And I saw, saw this at Bible college all the time where there was just no depth of the true Christianity in a young man or a young girl. And the two, but, but yet, they seem to be. They talk the language. They look the look. And that's what, again, what takes place here with Jacob. Jacob uh, and Laban, you know, he comes and, Uh, The young girl then lives with a deceiver. He may even be deceiving himself about his own salvation. But, uh, you know, they marry now. Jacob marries and and they are together. But he's still Jacob the deceiver. He's still Jacob the supplanter. This is still going on. And so eventually uh, Jacob and Laban, his father-in-law, they take turns manipulating and deceiving each other. And we're going through a lot here, but... They take turns just manipulating, deceiving each other, uh, till finally Jacob flees Laban in chapter 31. And we're not reading through all these verses because there's a lot of information here. But chapter 31, Jacob flees. He says, okay, I'm leaving this. I'm, I'm leaving. I've got my two wives, and I've got my flocks and my herds. I'm gonna, We're going to take off now, and we're going to get away from Laban because it has been a process of the two of them are basically the same. They're, they're probably both speaking a... Christian life, but they're, they're in conflict. They're manipulating, they're, they're cheating each other. Now, it's, it is a how can I benefit from this relationship situation that's going on between them. Now, we find out in chapter 32 that Jacob has a plan, but it does not include the protection of God. Is a plan to let Esau, now he's left, and he knows that Esau, his brother, who he's tricked out of everything, out of his birthright. He's now, he's going to meet up with him again. And we're in chapter 32. It is a plan to let Esau potentially slaughter the first groups while he escaped. But finally, we now look at verse uh, chapter 32, verse 24 through 31. And again, that's a lot of information, not a lot of things going on here. But verse 24, it says, and Jacob was left alone. And of course, what happens is now is Jacob has left Laban, his father-in-law, taking his flocks, his herds, his wives, his children, whatever. They're going, and they're going back to the homeland. He knows he's going to meet up with Esau, his brother, who he's tricked out of everything. He's deceived him. And so, verse 24, Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And, Jacob's, and he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel." For a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And he passed over Peniel. The sun rose up upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Now, again, what takes, I believe this, is an Old Testament picture of Jesus Christ a wrestling with Jacob, and it's not like Jacob in his human form could really subdue or really hold God. But this is, again, where God allows us to go through some trials of life, and he wants to know, how bad do you really want to hold on to me? How bad do you really want me? I mean, God knows way before we plan anything, we do anything. I, you know, I started weeks ago on this, the people of, of, uh, of Genesis. But I'll be honest with you, and I hope you don't mind, but, but the, the visitor that we have here today is an example of somebody that God wrestled with him and said, do you want to hold on? are you going to hold on to me no matter what happens? Um, it's it's just, I've I'm, I'm, I'm almost been struggling doing this this lesson because I, to, to know Matt is here. But Matt Lipscomb, as much as anybody, and this is a friend of mine from many, many years ago, but they've been through a, a lot he's they he and his daughter now that remain they've been through more than any normal people could even imagine but when you wrestle with god when god really puts the fire into your life what he does sometimes is like here with jacob what he before Jacob was, I believe, prideful, it's OK, I've seen God, and, and I've had this experience of God, so when you, God, you do what I want and everything's going to be good, and I'll follow you. But now, God's wrestled with him and touched his thigh and crippled him, humbled him, brought him into submission that way, and a humbling has taken place. And Jacob, submitting to the humbling as he was crippled, now there was no deals with God. There was no God if. He's just going to follow God. He's no longer, he's Israel now, a prince. He's not Jacob the supplanter anymore. He had changed from experience to faith. And I'll be honest with you, it's, it's sad in a sense, but we have to go to through a lot of trial really for our faith to grow and I think it's for us to recognize in ourselves whether our faith has grown because God really knows what's down in our heart but, but as we go through the trials it's revealed to us what did we really believe who were we really And I wish I could say that, you uh, Tricia, young girl here. I wish I could say you're never going to go th- through any horrible trial. But you know, truth is, Tricia, you you probably will go through something throughout this lifetime. But no matter what you go through, you still true the promises of God. I, I say this often: God never promised us that we wouldn't have trials or problems. He gave us promises to give us, get us through all those trials. And this, my friend Matt Lipscomb is an example of somebody that went through trials. And it wasn't, his relationship was revealed that it, with God was revealed that it wasn't experience. It wasn't experiential relationship of well, God, you're not good to me. You let this happen to me. Well, I'm not serving you. Only if you let things go good will I serve you. That's not what happened. He sits here today, and I know, testimony, faithfulness, uh, we've been some contact over the, over the years and, and trying to reach the world and trying to get to mission fields and trying to taking his daughter with him to mission fields. And I'm not going through the whole story at all because I don't want I don't, I to do that to Matt again. Uh, but it had changed. Jacob finally came to the realization, and if you see in the, in the passage, there's no deals with God. He had, only the only statement he really makes is he praises God that he's even alive. He just praises God that he's able to take another breath. Because this time he really saw God. Before he saw this image, this must be where God is. He came to church. And he said, "Oh, this must be where God is." He might have even walked down and got baptized. And he said, "Oh, this must be where God is." But in the second situation, he saw God. He saw it. When I was 12 years old, I walked an aisle and got baptized in a little church, and I've said this for years, you know, the reason I did is because I was tired of everybody else getting that communion, and I was 12 years old, and I wanted to see what it tastes like. And once I finally got it, it was not a big deal, but the, uh, but I, that was it. I, I was in church. I was in a place where I thought, oh, this must be the place where God lives. And that's Jacob. But at 20 years of of age, about ten thirty at night, by my dorm room bed, when i you may remember this my uh, i mean uh, Matt, but I lived on mike clark 's floor for uh, in his dorm room at Richardson towers. I hear they 're tearing that down now, yeah, it did. I, I always wanted to get back there and see if I could find the room or something but and uh, but Mike Clark let me come in after uh, alex and i 's uh, apartment had been broken into and We had no place to live. Alex moved home, and I moved in with Mike Clark, going to sleep on his floor for a night or two and stayed there for an entire year, uh, sleeping on his floor. But it was there in that dorm room where I trusted Christ. That night I met, I saw God. Now, I didn't understand everything, just like Jacob doesn't understand everything right here. But he had changed from experience to faith. And when you have truth, faith, There's a change, honestly. There's a change in humility, because we see that Jacob, he now halts upon his thigh. He's 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 crippled. There's a humility. There's a submission we see in Jacob now. There's no deals with God. He's submitted to God. There's, believe in Jacob. I believe now, and I believe there should be there now. There's a desire to know God. I didn't know anything, but there was something inside of me. They kept searching. I, I probably went to a half dozen different places, churches back there at Memphis State, as I'd hear about them. And I just, you know, I just, but I still, I'd, you know, sometimes go along. And when I started dating Joe Beth, we, we would visit someplace. I was searching because there was, there was a fire burning inside of me now. You be, truly begin a new journey, a journey of transformation into a new person when you truly know God. And that's—it's uh, just kind of the whole direction I'm—I'm heading even this this morning. There's there there in the the main service, there ought to be something that's there ought to be a fire lit somewhere. And I, I'm afraid there's way way too many of us like Jacob, like me, like a lot of people that they've experienced God. They even came to the place where God's supposed to be and they maybe had a dream you know so to speak as jacob did they saw some things or they experienced some things they were saved out of a car wreck they were you know, saved from this saved from that god let them live through a heart attack god did this god did that but that's not really faith in god it's god did good for me so okay i'm going to trust him the the that, that's not even the same trust that's not a faith in the god of gods king of kings and lord of lords and i know that's that's kind of difficult to to try to uh discern and we can't discern it in someone else but that's something that we have to really check us out one of the ways that it's going to be revealed is when you go through the trials of life are you going to look back at god and say well you must not be god how many people and we've all dealt with them. We've all seen them. You know, But how many people, well, I used to go to church, but this happened, and, and if God's going to let that happen, I'm not going back. Well, that's, that's, they had an experience with God. They had an experience with God, but a faith in God is this. When God really becomes Lord of Lord, King of Kings, when God is a God of gods, when he is all in all, Then we have to say, whatever he has done, whatever he is allowed to do, even though it does not seem good to us, in God's perspective, it must be. What he does is always right. Anybody agree with that? It's hard to face. It's hard to accept at times, especially in those very, very hard times. It's hard to... to, Verbalize it, but when it's in the pit of your soul, when it's down deep inside of you, this thing called faith inside of you that says, I don't understand it, I don't agree with it, I don't want it, but God's still God. And we, I I see, and forgive me, but please be warned, please. I've seen so many. You know, they say you get bitter or you get better. Well, so many are getting bitter and they're turning away from God because it's like I preached last week. We've got people hurt, people hurt, people, and so it's 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 a it's a lashing out at everyone because things didn't go the way I wanted them to go. Well, ultimately. It's not just a lashing out at people. When you're willing to lash out and harm other people because things didn't go the way you wanted to go, ultimately, it's directed at God. It always comes back to God because God let it happen. How can God let this happen? I, I, I can't explain. No, I can say how because he's God. He can do anything he wants to. Why? Why would he do that? Uh, we've, we've learned, Joe Beth and I, one of the key things that we try to do, and, and this really helps you get through the trials of life, don't ask, try your best not to ask why, try to ask what? God, what do you want me to learn from this? What do you want me to do now? What is your purpose behind this? Because why, I'm going to be honest with you, we'll get to heaven, we we'll, you know, maybe God let us know why. But he's still God. Even when I get to heaven, he's still God. I don't know. We always say, well, I'll find out when we get to heaven. I don't know that we'll find out because I don't know that he has any obligation to tell me anything. But the fact is, is that he has a reason. His perspective is so much different from ours. And he sees it in a way we don't see it. And that, well, we understand that we, we It will only come when we have true faith and we've humbled ourselves. We submit ourselves. We desire to know him more no matter what he does. We still desire him. And then that will truly begin our journey, our journey with God. I have a message that's what I call, you know, my journey. And it really is, it's, It's been an incredible journey. But I'm going to tell you, it hadn't all been roses. You know, it hadn't all been good. There's been some tough times where we just thought, what in the world? You know, I mean, it it, it really is. But the difference, if he had never met God, Jacob's life, he would have remained Jacob. But he truly found God, found a relationship with God. All right, we got about 17, 18, 19 minutes, something like that. We normally leave, uh, stop a few minutes earlier than everybody else. Give us just a few more minutes. Give me a few minutes before the main service. But I hope that, that it helps uh, a little bit. Just Jacob, a unique man, very unique man, uh, really going from this extreme to. The extreme that god used him but it just proved that if god can do that with jacob he can do it with anybody let's pray father i pray that you bless lord jesus thank you for your love and your goodness toward us lord i pray that you please be with us through the rest of the morning rest of the service i ask in jesus name amen all right you can all run back to the coffee machine Yeah, I, I was, I, I was amazing because I was thinking about that the other day, and I think, I think that Sunday that y'all were there, I think was a Sunday uh, after my mom passed away. It
1: may be. Because I, mm-hmm. I remember, I'm preaching.
0: You doing it afterwards, you I have to judge a show if there's something I can do. Judge a show? show you the video. Hey, Man, what is that? Unbelievable! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's unbelievable! What are y'all doing here? What did what a, what did a, a Matt call you? Check it out. Uh, Ah, where uh, See, I actually came a officially- <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here? He said, so we said, well, we'll come. Yeah. His buttons open? thinking about the fact that only I was planning on putting another chair up there so I'd have y'all both up there because he wanted to sit up there so but I don't know if he if he heads up there you just come kind of finish it with him.
2: word will stand. They can take it from the courthouse walls, they can take it from our schools, teach our children that we're animals, speak against the golden rule, try and hide our Christian heritage from the public eye but they'll never overcome god's word no matter how they try god's word will stand against the raging tide of those who criticize and work their evil plan god's word will stand against the gates of hell with power to prevail in the hearts of men. God's word will stand. It is forever settled to evermore endure. It's the only way as sinners are can ever be made pure God's word will stand against the raging tide of those who criticize and work their evil plan God's word will stand against the gates of hell with power to prevail in the hearts of man, God's word will stand. In the hearts of man, God's word will stand.
0: Job. I sure appreciate the young people, the way they participate in church and help with everything. It's really a blessing. And it's a blessing again to have friends down here. I didn't introduce you a minute ago, but uh, what was your name again? No. Uh, thank you, Henry. Uh, it's Henry and Patsy Groves. Could you raise your hand here? Amen. And uh, the, if y'all don't know this, if you go back far enough, Henry was also the Tiger mascot at Memphis State. Amen. Memphis State, not Memphis, Memphis State. He was the Tiger mascot. He um, he actually probably was the first one that attempted to shoot uh, behind the back, over the head, whatever, uh, half-court shot. The difference between me and him was when I took over and became the mascot, I made them. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and so, Anyway, and then beside us, Matt Lipscomb, another old, old friend, Matt Lipscomb. And uh, uh, just, just a joy that they would take the time. Just honestly, I'm very honored that they would take the time to, to come out here. We have a, a lot of wonderful memories uh, together. Uh, they were uh, in, a, in a crazy environment. They were very positive influence on me uh, there at, uh, at the college great influence on me. And so I'm uh, uh, just thrilling to have them here. I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look at verse 14. Verse 14, it says, we're going to look 14 through 17, but it says, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them. will want you notice that. It says, for all they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless. Sweet Holy Spirit, I ask you, please, to... Fill me and use me today. Dear God, I ask you to clarify my mind and just direct me, guide me. Don't let me say anything that would hurt anyone, Lord. There would only someone be helped and encouraged. And Father, I pray that you'd please, please be with us today. Put a mighty hedge of protection around this building and around that, everyone in it. These we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it is, it is amazing what God does, but, you know, this final verse, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Uh, to have old friends here, and, of course, many family members here, and and just to, to be the day after uh, my birthday, our, our And Joe Beth and I, Friday was our anniversary, and 38 years ago, that's amazing. But there was a time there, November the 8th, 1975, and and I talked about this morning Sunday school, and probably nobody around the campus November the 9th looked and said, you know, that that man must be different, but something happened to me November the 8th, 1975, about 10 o'clock at night. I became a new creature. I, at that point in my life, I, I can't say that I jumped up and, and knew all that was taking place in me or all that was happening in me. And, and, and it's been a long road, a long road of, of growing in Christ. But, but something happened that night. And what, what happened was, was that the old creature became new. He was lost and on his way to hell. And that night in Mike Clark's dorm room, Henry, uh, I knelt beside my bed. Mike was not in the room. Nobody was there. But with through that little Gideon's Bible handed to me walking across the campus, I, I read the verses and trusted Christ as my Savior. And, and I didn't know there was a the Holy Spirit of God, but it came to live within me. And you say, how do you know he did? Well, I'll be honest with you, at that point, I didn't know. I didn't know that he existed, so I didn't know that what was happening to me was him. But after uh, even, you know, just days, weeks, I would go to places that, that I'd always gone to that I had enjoyed and now I couldn't enjoy them. It's something, I couldn't be there anymore. I couldn't listen to the language. I couldn't listen to the, to the music. I couldn't, something inside of me, and I'll be honest with you, at that point in time in my life, I thought I was losing my mind. No comments, Henry. Because uh, I know exactly what he was thinking. He wanted to say, you were. Uh, But the fact is, is I thought I was losing my mind. I just thought, you know, what is happening to me because I'm in such turmoil, I'm in such conflict. And I say this so often, if you trusted Christ and you expected everything to be, you know, just little rose petals, you know, that's not it, folks. I mean, it can be really, really good, but boy, initially... It wasn't. I, people will say, you know, when when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in to sweep up everything and clean up inside. No, He came in with me with a hammer and chisel because it was it was in there and it was caked in pretty tough. But the fact is, is that I look back on those days and I remember these times and places and things. I remember uh, dating. Joe Beth, for the first time, and sitting down beside her and looking at her and, and not even knowing where these words came from because I'm sitting there with, a, with my afro, amen, with my beard, and I'm sitting beside her, and I know she's mesmerized by my good looks. <laughs> she's just blown away with this incredible physique. And so uh, I, I looked at her and sitting there talking to her on the steps, Uh, There in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, on the steps of a hotel there, we were just sitting and talking 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. As I sat and talked to her, I looked at her, and something inside me kept saying, you got to know, you got to know. And I looked and blurted out, are you a Christian? Folks, I didn't even go to church myself. But there was somebody in there. And somebody in there told me that that it just is like it was almost like the pressure of getting saved. I mean, it was it was inside so much that I had to know something was different about her. Something was different about this girl that different from anybody I'd ever met, and something was was going to be different about the rest of our lives. And before we even started this process, I had to know: Are you a Christian? And I'll be honest with you. As soon as I said it, I thought. What did you just say? And why did you just say that? That's really not a great line. You know? Well, today I want to talk to you a little bit about physics. Amen? Does that excite anybody here? Some of you just got nervous because you failed it so many times. But it's going to be a little bit strange. But, but the second law of thermodynamics in simplistic terms is this. Everything tends towards maximum disorder. That means when this building was built, energy was used to build it, and can I tell you, uh, energy is used to sustain it, and that energy is being depleted. This building's falling apart. Now we try to take care of it, so we hopefully can keep it from falling apart longer. You know, so we delayed that process. But the fact is, is that everything's in decline. So we see that in our natural state, we are dying. Our bodies are decaying. The world around us is coming apart. It's not getting better, amen? It's just not. We have no hope in and of ourselves, for we simply expend energy. And since this energy usage cannot be 100% efficient, we are depleting our energy resources every day of our lives. And, and hold on, hopefully this is going to make sense. This is really not a science class. But, but the fact is, is that we are using up our energy. We are depleting our energy. We ourselves are, are we're human flesh that's frail and empty. Now, when this is applied to the spiritual realm, we can see the correlation, I believe, and that's what I'm trying to do, just make a little bit of a correlation here. In our own strength and righteousness, no matter how hard we try, we come up short of the perfection that's needed. In other words, we cannot get to heaven through our own works. Now, I don't know why I'm doing this today, but because you know, I've been trying to, to, to just whatever the Holy Spirit directs me, but even by the, uh, the, the uh, narrative we had today on, on amazing grace and the songs that we've had, I know that this is the direction the Lord wants me to go, but, but what this means is obviously there's no hope in our, ourselves. We must have a perfect source of energy to have perfection in our reality. And listen, we don't have perfection. We can't generate perfection. We can't create perfection. So folks, please listen to me today. If you're still struggling with this issue that somehow you're going to get yourself to heaven, somehow you're going to work your way to heaven, no matter how hard you try, we come short of the glory of God. We come up short, and you say, Why are you saying this? Because I talk to people after people after people after people that say to me, I believe in Jesus Christ, and I believe I can be good enough. There's no perfection in humanity. That's right. That's right. And perfection's what it takes. This means that we must have that which transcends humanity. That which I cannot do is only possible when I trust the one who is not limited by the natural laws. My life and my spirit are made perfect, righteous through the righteousness of Christ. That's my only hope. And something just changed. Something just happened to this mic. Did that sound different to y'all? I guess my ears finally opened up. All right. My life and my spirit are made perfect through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen. November the 8th, 1975, I didn't get up and become perfect. The truth is I wasn't earning, working my way towards some perfection so I could finally say, okay, now I'm a Christian or now I know I'm going to heaven. It wasn't going to happen. It had to be a gift. Amen. Please understand that this is just a simple illustration It's a picture to help us understand the limitations of humanity to ever live up to the perfection and righteousness of Christ. I want you to look at, if you want to, if you want to turn to it, Galatians chapter 2, we're just going to read. I'm going to turn to several passages, but the scripture teaches us in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. If you want to look there real quick. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. And I'd like for you to look at it. I'm going to take a little extra time. You'll turn to it and look at it, and you give him mark it. But verse 16, it says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall, look at this, shall no flesh be justified. Being good enough will never get you there. You cannot be good enough. I'll talk to people all the time, and it's one of the things that I taught, used to teach college students. I, was, I would say to them, you know, the first thing that you really need to, to say to someone that is in, believes that somehow their works are going to earn their way to heaven is this question. Do you have any peace? Do you really ever for a moment have peace? about what's going to happen to you when you die. And can I tell you? You can't, because you never know if you've done enough. Right. Right. You'd never know if you've worked hard enough. You'd never know if you've accomplished enough or been faithful enough. You never know. And so you have no peace. And, and Romans chapter 5 says being justified by faith thereby we have peace with God. It's only through faith that we have peace. That we, we in our natural state, no matter what we do, how good we do it, will never and can never be justified. We can never be good enough. Every bit of energy remember in our, our illustration, every bit of energy we expend is just that. It is energy spent which has not brought us closer to salvation. The scripture teaches us in Romans uh, chapter three verses 27: 28, "Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. You see, we're not, we're not saved by the law of works. We're saved by the law of faith. God says it's a law. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Just Can I get an amen from somebody else? The fact is, is that we've got to come to the point where we realize, I can't even mix the two. Romans eleven six tells us, if it's of grace, it's no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. We eliminate the grace of Jesus Christ, the cross of Christ, when we say, I've got to add to it. You can't mix the two. The mic- you either have, if you mix Jesus with works, you got works. The natural law, the law of works will leave us coming short, empty when we reach the end of our lives. But the spiritual law, the law of faith changes the equation for when the spirit of God makes, uh, 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 makes us come, comes in. Uh, 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 I'm speaking in tongues. Folks. I don't know what I wrote here. Ah, well, that was a good point. All right. Ephesians chapter 1, verses... Two. You say, do you get embarrassed? No, I've been such a fool most of my life. It does nothing bother me. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 says that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that you heard the word of, the, of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now... We can know by faith in his word. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Amen. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This leads us to another law of physics. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. So there's two things I'm trying to show here is that, is that the... Second law of thermodynamics says that that everything tends towards maximum disorder So we may be trying to work our way to heaven, but we are not progressing. We're digressing We're not getting any closer By trying to earn our way to heaven or work our way to heaven It, It just doesn't happen and it now the fact is is that we through the righteousness of Christ the moment we trust Christ we we have now His righteousness, He takes our place. All of our sin is put upon Him. He paid for our sin. He shed His blood. He died. He was buried and rose from the grave. All of my sin is placed upon Him. All of His righteousness, His perfection is put on me. He is not limited by any natural laws. But there's another law now. Once we've trusted Christ by faith, 100%, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And hold on now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 through 7, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we... Uh, know we no man after the flesh yea though we have known Christ after the flesh yet now henceforth we know uh, we know we him no more therefore if any man be in Christ this is the key therefore if any man be in Christ he is a new creature old things are passed away behold all things are become new it's this action reaction and here's the whole thing that I want, the illustration I want to make here. If the Spirit of God, as it did in me, as I illustrated at the beginning of the sermon, if the Spirit of God has come into our lives, there should be some change revealed outwardly. Now, we may not immediately recognize it. I've illustrated this. People didn't walk up and look at me and say, oh, he must be saved. But listen to me, something happened in here and can I tell you, there was a reaction to what happened, the action that took place. There was something going on, there was a pressure inside, there was a, a something that was taking place. so The words that used to come out of this mouth, they just didn't want to come out anymore. Others may not see it at first, just as none of us really notice that the law is in place. When these men sit down in the chair, the law is still in place. When they sit down, the energy is used to sit on the chair. Energy is used to hold them up, but we don't look at it and say, oh, I recognize that. We don't do that. We don't know that something's taken. Energy is, is being used here. In this case, a lot of energy is being used here. We don't notice that. But yet a force was exerted, and I saw I saw a, a video of my grandkids the other day. They they came over the, and uh, and they got to go swimming, and uh, and so they were videoing all these you know nine thousand grandkids. And I was I was thrilled for them to have a place to go, and because uh, I didn't. And uh, but no, they, they went out and they went swimming, and they 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 got these. Uh, I I never know how you do all this stuff, but they you know they, you can video, but it makes it slow motion. You seen that? Haven't, I know you're old enough. Henry's looking like slow motion. <laughs> slow motion. Uh, but they were they were in there and they were doing they were doing cannonballs. And you know you did not have to see which one of the kids jumped off the board. All you had to do you knew who was the biggest by the reaction. You know how how far did that spray go up in the air? Uh, when Randy went in, it, it just kind of like emptied the pool, you know. <laughs> but the video was slow motion, and it was real clear who was the biggest one if you only saw the water that was displaced and re- propelled upward. There was an action. They jumped into the water. There was a reaction, the splash of the water. Some make it made a small splash. They kind of went in and went, Some went in and went. So some made a small splash, some made a big splash. Some understood, I think it was Ashley, my daughter, that got halfway into the cannonball and couldn't figure out exactly how to do a cannonball. And you saw great fear upon her face. And that was enjoyable to see her smack the water. So but some understand exactly what they're doing and others did not. But if they jumped into the water, there was still a splash. You know, the fact that they entered, there had to be a reaction. Are you all with me? And say, I just felt like something just changed again. That didn't sound any different. That is really weird. I think you're doing something, Brother Wayne, and they just want to act like it's not your fault. Some understand exactly what they're doing and others do not. But if they jumped in the water, the water splashed. If you really have trusted Christ, there ought to be some kind of splash in your life. And I'm going to tell you, I can't tell that sometimes. Because I know I was one that for the next two or three years, there's probably a lot of people that just did not walk up to me and, and think, oh, he must be a Christian. No. My nickname on the campus was the Tiger Man or the Wild Man. I even had him, I would get so crazy out there on a the basketball court and clowning around and doing stuff in the Tiger. I've had people walk up to him and go, hey man, what you got? <laughs> and I'd look at him like nothing. And they said, No, no, come on, man, you gotta be taking something. No. How do you act like that? It's just me. (laughs) That's who I am, man. I don't know any other way. I was trained by Henry. (laughs) So I'm not saying that they knew what was happening in here. But can I tell you something was. Because it can't come in without some kind of splash. And listen to me. I I started to bring one in here, but I I really didn't have the time, you know, to go through the whole illustration. But, you know, if you took a, a basketball in here and it was half flat and you dropped it, it won't bounce much. You put a little air into it and you drop it from this height, it'll bounce a little bit. You really pump it up tight and you drop it, it'll bounce up pretty high. And that's what I believe is what's going on with a lot of Christianity. We, we, we trust Christ, but we're, we're flat. And there's not much bounce coming out. But what Christ wants to do is he wants to pump you up. And the more you let in, I always picture it this way, and whether you want to picture it or not, but I'll pray often. I'll say, Lord, fill me with your spirit from the top of my head to the sole of my feet, from the tips of my fingers to the tips of my toes, my eyes, my ears, my nose, my tongue. And what I'm asking the Lord to do is fill every portion of me. Because the more I'm filled, the the more substance there is in me, the bigger splash that's going to come out of me. But you have to check your own self. I look back, and I'll be honest, when I first got saved, I didn't know it because I told you why these things were happening. But I look back now, and I know that when my language began to change, when that guy walked up to me on the campus and said, Hey, Hook, what's going on with you? What's, what, what's happened to you? And I looked at him and said, I don't know what you're talking about. And he, and he said to me, You don't cuss anymore. Can I tell you, there was a splash that was taking place. Something happened inside and there was something that was coming out and there was something that was not coming out anymore. There was a time when I have told this story, when I, when I took in, in, in from a comment from Bill Street, I, I took in, in every album that I have. Okay, hold on, kids. Uh, every album that I have, big CDs that I have, I took and I destroyed every one of them because when Bill told me the Bible says everything you do should be done to the glory of God, I looked in my music and I listened to my music and something inside of me splashed out and said, this can't glorify God. And I broke every bit of it. The problem I made was that part of it was my brother's albums and he didn't make the same decision. when I had a desire to tell somebody else about Jesus or invite them to church, when, when I had to ask Joe Beth if she was a Christian, when, when, I, when my life began to change, when I, when I responded to people in a different way, when, I'll be honest with you, when I stopped fighting just because I could. Amen. Amen. You understand? Yeah. If there was a fight, I look, I could win it, I'm gonna be in it, Henry ought to know I knocked him down one night (laughs) walked into a place and a place always say it must have been a fire drill a lot of lights going on Uh, a lot of noise and people were moving around real fast but I walked inside and all of a sudden a fist came by me well we boxed with ski gloves in our apartment all the time we'd be Henry come home from work from Cork and Cleaver we would eat his leftover steak that somebody probably gnawed on before we got it. And we would go in there and we would put on ski gloves and we would pound on each other. Well, I walked in and it was dark in his place, and all of a sudden a fist came whizzing by my head, and I didn't, I just, pooh! And as he was going down, and he goes, Henry goes, oh, Robert, it's me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, Henry. I didn't know. (laughs) But I stopped fighting just because I could. And you say, why? I don't know. Except something had happened, and there was a reaction that came out. And even when I got married and not letting my kids, when things would they would watch things that they would do. Something inside me said they, they don't need to be seeing that. Not allowing myself or them to, you know, they were joking about hear this when they were at home, some of the things that we would, we would do with them, but I wouldn't allow them to use the Lord's name in vain. And you say, well, of course not. You know, you shouldn't allow them to cuss and use... That's not using the Lord's name in vain. Using the Lord's name in vain is when we just simply, uh, in frustration, in exclamation, say, oh God. Vain is emptiness. It has no purpose. It's vanity. And so I I said, no, I'm I'm not going to do that. And when it would happen, something would, inside of me, something would bother me because there was an action that took place inside that said, There should be a reaction outwardly. There should be a splash of the recognition of sin, a splash of conviction, a splash of responsibility, a splash of thankfulness. You say, Well, how do we know? Well, you just have to evaluate in your own heart. Was what happened to you a prayer? Or Maybe an act of baptism or a membership, but no splash inwardly in your life, so there's no splash outwardly. Romans eight fourteen through 16 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And I love that term, Abba, Daddy, Father. The Spirit itself, listen to this, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's the splash. When the Holy Spirit jumped in, initially it might not have been a big splash, but there ought to be a beginning of our spirit bearing witness with the Holy Spirit. There ought to be something that says, Boy, somebody inside is telling me, I've been doing this all my whole life, but for some reason I think I'm not supposed to. If we pre- profess we know God, but in our works deny Him, then what have we accomplished? God looks on the heart, but man looks on the outward appearance. It's our testimony to the world that we believe in a real God, a real book, a real Savior. A real life worth living. But Titus 1.16 says they profess that they know God, but in their works they deny him. Are we the child of God? That's the question this morning, and I normally don't go this, this direct, and that's this, usually have a little bit more of a point, but it's twofold. Are we the child of God? And if we truly are a child of God, Are we letting the vessel be pumped up by Christ? Are we reacting? Are we splashing? Are we allowing something, letting that splash, to grow? Can we others tell if we are a child of God? Has a reaction taken place because of an action that took place? How much of us did we give to God when we when he gave us eternal life. And that's the real question. Other than the fact of, are are you really saved or have you been trusting in your works? And that's, again, you have to know that. You say, well, I prayed a prayer, but that could be a work. If you say, that's one more thing I'm doing to try to earn my way to heaven. Well, I, I prayed a prayer and got baptized, but that could be, baptism is a work of righteousness. Titus 3, 5 tells us that, but... But it's a work of righteousness. But, but is it a good thing? It's a wonderful thing to do. But if we say somehow that's going to help us go to heaven, that's a problem. Has that's right. That's right. a reaction. The other issue is maybe we trusted Christ. How much of us did we give to God when he gave us eternal life? And that's the real question for probably most of the people in this room right now. How much of us did we give to God when he gave us eternal life? Eternal life is a gift. What we do with that gift is up to us. I'll finish with this. We're done, but I've got to go get it repaired. I was at the camp, and I think playing softball probably or maybe some other game. I think I broke it, but this is a ring that, Uh, My mom gave my dad, and I'm pretty sure on their 25th anniversary, which was the year that my my wife and I got married. 1997, when mom went to heaven, I asked dad for this ring, and it's what I've worn ever since. Truthfully, in another message I talk about, this this is all I ever asked for is an inheritance. I told dad that's what I wanted. It, um, it was a gift. If I tried to buy it from him, he was not gonna let me. The only way I was gonna get this was a gift. And this is what we've got to understand eternal life is a gift, and if we try to purchase it through our works, he's not our father, our daddy's not gonna let us. But he'll give it to us as a gift. I've told so many people that I've witnessed to over these years. Once that was given to me, it was my choice what I did with it. I could have taken it walked out to the, the driveway that day and thrown it on the ground and stomped on it. I could have thrown it in a box and hid it away and never looked at it again. It's still mine. Just like your eternal life is yours. And what you do with it—it's up to you. But I challenge you: what you need to do is wear it so everybody can see. Amen. And take care of take care of it, and do what I'm—you know, hey, it's going to take some mending, and I'm going to have to get it to the jeweler and probably put some more gold into it, or do whatever they have to do, but. I want to keep that in the best shape that I can. What have we done with the gift that we received? It's dependent on how much we've allowed him to have of us once we took all of him. So the question, did you take all from him? Did you receive him as your savior? Number two, you say, I did. How much of you does he have? Father, I ask you to bless. Lord Jesus, thank you for